Matthew 25, and we're going to start in verse 14 this morning. Matthew 25, verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made the mother five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And when he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, and reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, And then at my coming, I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we'll pray again before we continue. Again, Lord, as we turn to this passage, Lord, I ask that you would help us just to to have the attention to focus on these things, Lord. Uh, I ask that you would help me to be clear um, in the things that I say this morning and just help us to have hearts to receive what you have for each one of us, Lord. And whether that's what I've prepared or not, is up to you, Lord, but I ask that you would somehow just reveal truth to us, help us to grow through our time in the Word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage, and it fits right along with everything we've been teaching and preaching the last number of weeks. This is still Jesus in a continuous statement starting at the beginning of chapter 24 and right through to the end of chapter 25 is just continuous dialogue here and so the context 
we would need to look back at what we've been talking about. And it's just this, it's the end of the world, the second coming of Christ, and the setting up of his kingdom. And so there's a thousand year reign of Christ at, at the end of this age when he comes a second time. And so that really is the context here. And he's talking about the kingdom in that way. And so there's a judgment going to take place at that time, at his second coming. And many people will be destroyed at that moment, at his second coming, but it appears there are many who aren't destroyed and there's judgment and a separation that's going to take place um, as people enter that millennium. And so this is really the context here. As we get to the end of this, it appears that last person who was given the one talent was, had, you know, if, if we're going to try to relate that to, to what we teach and preach, it looks like he's received the gospel message. He's received some responsibility in God's work. But having not produced anything with what God gave him, it says he took away even that which he received and is cast into outer darkness. And there appears to be a, a works-based salvation tied with that. And so I mentioned last week that that doesn't fit with our doctrine of how we, of our doctrine of salvation today. And so we don't, I'm not going to try to make this fit us today, but I, I want to use it. I don't want to dwell on things that aren't applicable to us. And I think I, we can apply this really well to our lives today. And that's the way I'm going to, to do it. I just don't want you to think that it has to do with your salvation at the end, that if you don't do enough for God, that somehow you're going to lose your salvation. And so it's, there's nothing tied with that. In, in our lives at this time. And so we're going to look at this and I guess I've, I've heard other people preach it this way. It, it works, but it's not right. <laughs> Talents in this passage equal money, not abilities, right? <laughs> just, we just need to understand that that's really the context here is He's talking about money, and there's a guy, and he's given his servants things, physical things, money, to do something with those things. And some did really well with those things, and others, the last one, each one that was given did an appropriate amount until that last one that was given the least amount did absolutely nothing with it, hid it away, and it was returned the same as what it was received. But the, the master, the ruler, expected something gained from what was given. So there's a, really, here's really what happened, but I want to apply this to our lives a little bit more. And I want to note that, so even though the passage is talking about talents as in money, I'm going to talk about talents as in abilities, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm going to take some liberty with that one this morning. But I want us to realize that as far as abilities go, as far as talent in doing things, that's given by God. 
And I'm going to look at a couple different passages and we'll go back to Exodus 31. And it's absolutely clear in this passage where our abilities to do things comes from. So Exodus chapter 31 and beginning at verse 1. Wrong book. You got the right one. I have the wrong one. (laughs) Exodus 31, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones, to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. God gave these particular men the knowledge, the wisdom, and the physical ability to make the things, and this is in the context here, they're, they're making the stuff for the tabernacle and all the, the implements and all the, the different parts. And God's given craftsmen with the knowledge of how to, how to work with brass, how to cast molds, how to carve, how to work with wood. These are like very multi-talented people. <laughs> it seems to be the way, right? People that are talented in craftsmanship, like it's not just like one little thing that they're often talented. It's like if you can do something, you can often do many things in those ways. But the point is that God gave them that ability. It's not in us. We've got to give God the glory for any abilities that we have in those ways. To the New Testament, similar passage, and just to continue that thought, in Romans chapter 12. Notice in Exodus 31, God gave them those abilities so that they could do God's work. <laughs> that was the purpose of God giving them this wisdom and skill, was so that they could do the work of God with those abilities. We get to Romans chapter 12, and again starting in verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, 
are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Having then the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And we'll stop there in this passage, but we see, once again, God's describing, he's given these gifts and different abilities and talents to different people, and he wants each of us to use what he's given for his glory. And some of these, I don't know who picked the songs this morning, but that last hymn that we sang is like exactly what I'm talking about this morning. It's like, they're just, just having that willingness to give everything we have, all of our ability, all of our stuff, all our money, all of what God has blessed us with, we're willing to give back to God to use for his service. And so this is what God is intention for us. He gives us gifts according to his grace, and he wants us to use those gifts for him. And this passage talks about we being many are one body in Christ. And if we go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it continues that thought of us as individuals are members of a body. And it talks about the talents as well. And I think I'm going to end up reading this whole chapter because of it gives us the whole picture here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we would be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. 
For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, for it, or, nor again to the head, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, in verse 29, he asks a couple of questions. He says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of, of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He says, but cover earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And he, chapter 13 shows a little bit more excellent way. But there's a, this last series of questions should make us realize, the whole passage should make us realize this, but this in particular makes us realize that just because someone has some particular spiritual gifting doesn't mean I should expect to have that same thing. I shouldn't think that I will have all the same spiritual or physical or whatever kinds of gifts of talents as what everybody else has. It's very clear that not all have each of these things. And so I won't get into the my what would be a doctrinal teaching on some of the specifics that are in here, but just the point of God gives different abilities and not everyone should expect to have all of those abilities. And so clear, the way he uses our physical body to describe this, and can, when you, when you hurt a part of your body, I mean, most of us know this, when some part of our body becomes debilitated, like a knee, <laughs> man, we, we start to realize the importance of that thing, and, and I'm watching, when, with my dad here, we started watching a, Meat, meat Eater was the, the show. It just shows a guy going off hunting and fishing and all, all these different things. And watching 
he's hunting goats up in these mountains. And there's, he's got an older friend that he invited to come on this hunting trip. And that friend has knee problems and couldn't go climbing those mountains, hunting those goats anymore. And it's just like, it just brings you to realize that the importance of all these different parts of our body that we take for granted. When you're a young man and you go climbing mountains, you never give a second thought to your knees, <laughs> right? No big deal. Those things just work. But once you have an injury or age takes its course and those things begin to hurt and not function the way they're supposed to, um, yeah, you start to realize the importance of those different parts. And we need to be mindful of that because we sometimes, when we take things for granted in our body, that this thing is just always there and it works and does the thing it's supposed to. You ever hurt your thumb? Mandals are important. <laughs> you don't realize how important that thumb is until you can't grab something with it. It's like that in the church too. We need to appreciate each other for the talents and gifts that God has given each of us. Did anybody ever give much of a thought to where the coffee comes from in the morning on Sunday morning? You just show up and it's pot of coffee is made, right? Creams on, cream and sugars on the table. There's clean cups there to pour it into. How does that happen? Well, somebody comes early and makes sure it's ready so that when everybody else comes, that it's there for you. And we just take it for granted that it's going to be there. And then some morning that person doesn't show up. I was like, well, where's the coffee? <laughs> right? Like, well, somebody's not doing their job. We don't, take, we don't appreciate it until it's not there, right? And if you go to the washroom here, have you ever showed up and there's not a roll of toilet paper in there? <laughs> right? It, it's just there, right? We, we never give a second thought that the toilet's always clean and the sink is clean and there's all the paper towels and all this stuff is there for us. And it just... We just assume it just is there, right? Like, never think about the, the individual that God has laid on their heart to, to take care of these things. I show up here on the first Sunday of the month, and I've never, I don't think to make sure that there's going to be bread and juice here to do communion. It's just here. We take those things for granted, and we ought not to. But what if everybody had that gift of doing that aspect? Well, man, we'd have a spotless church, but there'd be some other things missing, right? We would have too much coffee. There'd be too much coffee. And boy, would it be hard for us to sit still. And... <laughs> but you know, there's a gift of discernment. It's even mentioned in some of these passages. And... You know, someone in the church decides, hey, there's a ministry of discernment that needs to be dealt with, and there's lots of doctrinal issues that are creeping into churches, and I think we need to put something in the church available so people can learn more about that. That's a gift that an individual receives. We don't all have that gift of discernment, and so that person that has that can utilize that to help the rest of us. And sometimes we don't appreciate those things, right? There's the gifts, and it was mentioned, I think, in the Romans passage that I read, in that list of things, was the gift of helps. And boy, was I glad when I read that the first time where I actually paid attention to it. 
Because I realize I'm not just a poor businessman. I actually have a gift of helps in that I would rather just be a blessing to someone and help them fix their car than to make a profit in doing that thing. <laughs> it does make me a poor businessman in that area. But I, I made a living. I was fine. But I was, took more joy in just fixing someone's problem for them and sending them on their way happy. I didn't care if I got paid. I just I had to get paid. I just couldn't afford to do this for free. But I'd, I would rather have just been a blessing and, and helped the people and fixed the car for them. And I, that's where I get my joy, is doing things for people. And when I see in Scripture, like, oh, that's a gift spiritually? <laughs> oh, oh, great. <laughs> I'm actually doing what God has given me to do. And, you know, it's hard to be have that gift of helps if you don't have much ability <laughs> to help. <laughs> you need the physical attributes that, that go along with that so that I can figure out the problem in the guy's car so I can actually fix it and help him. If I felt I had this gift of helps and have no ability whatsoever to fix a guy's car and I just start tearing stuff apart, well, I'm making a disaster of it, right? So if you don't have a particular gift, don't try to force yourself into that role of that gift, right? It just doesn't make sense. Each member has its particular role, and we all have different gifts. And sometimes, Paul's like telling this Corinthian church, it's okay like to covet gifts, but like it's more important, use the gift that God gave you. <laughs> That's what God wants us to do, is just do what God has given you the ability to do, and use that for his glory. And so, whatever that is, and it's different for each of us, and I just pointed out a, a couple of different ones, but we have music ministry here, and you notice a difference, right, when people aren't using those musical gifts, and we don't have musicians some, sometimes, or you don't have good leading of singing. There's something lacking there, right? And I won't name the person I may have in the past in talking about this, but there was a, a staff member at the Bible camp who had a gift of singing, a very prominent gift, like exceptional. And we tried to get that person to come and help lead singing or to, to do a special... When, when somebody sings and has a real talent in singing and they sing a song, it, it just affects us, right? Like, you, you just appreciate that gift, but it, it, it's not the person, right? Like, that musical ability, it doesn't make us, like, it, our world turns people into idols, <laughs> and we name them that and have shows called American Idol and whatnot, where we idolize the people because of the abilities they have, but when, it, when that person's using that spiritual ability for God, it's like we just end up worshiping God more <laughs> as we appreciate that gift that God's given. And Well, that person was self-conscious about that and never really utilized that gift. 
when we were trying to encourage to, to come in and sing special music or to help lead the singing. And then one time, she was doing an event for, um, for the Christian radio station. And we went, and wow, I have never heard her sing like that before. You would think she was she, a professional singing and performing professionally. The quality was exceptional. And I went first to her mother, but also to her. And I gave her a what for over that, that you ought to be using that gift for God. And you ought not to hold back in using that gift to its fullest potential. You're, you're stealing a blessing, <laughs> both to you and to others around you, when you don't utilize that gift. We need to use the gifts God's given us for his glory. If, if you're holding back, feeling self-conscious, or whatever the, the issue is, and you're just keeping that thing to yourself and not giving it the way God gives you opportunities to give that, you're robbing others of a blessing and you're robbing yourself of a blessing. God wants us to use the gifts. But he wants us... Very important in this passage is that we don't take each other for granted in these things. When you have a particular gift... And you feel like you're... This goes right along with the passage I read to open this morning. To, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. When you feel like your gift is the important gift, my, I don't know if it's a gift of preaching, maybe. <laughs> Here I am in preaching. Is that the most important gift in the church? It's not. It's, it's the prominent one, right? But I'm not the most important person here and if it wasn't for others fulfilling the other roles that I don't have a gift in, what a terrible, lame place this would be. <laughs> right? So I ought not to think that I'm the important one here. I, I'm not the most important one here. We each have a role, and I can't say that I don't need any of, of you. You're all equally important, and we all have a role to play together. And we need to understand that, that... Some of the things are not obvious. Some roles are more obvious than others, and others are kind of subtle things in the background. But when those things stop happening, that's when it becomes apparent that, oh, somebody did that thing, <laughs> right? So we ought to appreciate one another for the gifts that we have and recognize those things. I'll just this passage in Matthew showed a judgment for the way people used the talents, the money that was given to them. And those that used it wisely, it's like the guy that had five talents produced five more. And hands that We have a nephew that complained one time about he didn't he worked for this store 
And he was complaining that the owner of the store made more money than he did. <laughs> he didn't think this was fair. Well, did you agree to work for such and such wage? Well, yeah. Right? That's, Jesus went through that one. But in this example, as, as an employee, I ought to take, I don't know if pride is the right word, but we use the, the word. I need to take pride in my work in achieving the most that I can for my employer. And so when I produce and earn double what I was given to work with, and I can present that to my employer, he's glad to have me as an employee, right? When I'm productive. And I can gladly take pride in presenting my work and receive the payment that was due to me. I don't have to be jealous that all this went to the employer. He's the one with the responsibilities there. He's got different talents than I do, right? And we're given a responsibility to just to be productive in those ways that we can. And do what you can with what you're given to work with. But there's a judgment. There was a judgment on each of those. And when we got to the one that only had received the one talent, and he buried it and didn't do anything with it, he was reprimanded for that. And essentially, they took the one from him and gave it to the one that had the most and was the most productive. And he was cast into outer darkness. Well, there's a, there is a judgment for us as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and then 1 Corinthians 3. It's just the one verse in 2 Corinthians 5. He doesn't get into a lot of detail here, but there's a, a statement in the midst of this chapter. And then I think 1 Corinthians 3 gives a little bit more detail. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Just, just a statement. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And this is speaking to believers, like you and I, today, that we're going to appear before this judgment seat of Christ. He's going to judge us based on what we did in this life with what he gave us. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 gives a little more detail on that judgment. Verse 8 says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. It's kind of continuing the thought from before. And then he says, Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which he giveth unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But that every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So I want you to notice there's a judgment for Christians in what we do in this life. And it describes it as the things we do could be gold, silver, and precious stones, or it could be wood, hay, and stubble. And it has a lot to do with our motives, our intention. Am I? There's different passages that talk about if I do something to be seen of men, I've already received my reward. My reward is people recognizing me. If I do things just simply for God's glory, not caring and trying not to even get the attention brought that people even notice that I do the things. Notice I didn't name anybody's names <laughs> this morning. And the things that they do, their gifts, and the things that they're using those gifts for. I don't want to steal your, <laughs> your reward. I want God to be able to reward you later. But that's the thing. Is are we doing it for God's glory or are we doing it for my glory? Am I doing it to be recognized by people or am I doing the things I do because I just want to please God and, and further his work? And so there's a different kind of building and structure based on what we do and how we do it and our motives behind those things. And so it says if it's wood, hay, and stubble, those things are going to get burned up. There's no reward left, but that gold, that silver, that precious stones, those things remain, and there's a reward. But the comparison between this and, and the passage in Matthew, the guy that didn't receive the reward in Matthew was cast into outer darkness. Like, he's gone to hell. But when he's talking to Christians... <laughs> And when we're being judged for what we do in this life, it says, our works shall be burned up, and he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. You don't lose your salvation because you didn't do enough works. Our works that we do, the things that we do in this life, have nothing to do with our salvation. We're not keeping it by doing things to please God. We need to be so clear in understanding that, that, that those things that we do have nothing to do with receiving or maintaining our salvation. So the question would need to be asked, what talent has God given you? And how can you use that for God's glory? I'll just quickly go to, to two other passages. 1 Corinthians 7 funny how there's a lot in Corinthians about this, isn't it? So it's not the most praised church in the Bible, in Paul's writings. Lots of instruction, but it's very helpful instruction for us too. 1 Corinthians 7, and starting in verse 20, says, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. 
Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, that every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. So whatever, whatever thing you're doing, whatever you talent God has given you and you're following that in life and you have a job in life, it says, don't seek to change that. Just carry on in that thing. Whatever God has given you to do, keep doing it. If you're a servant, just keep being a servant. But when he says, says, don't, don't do it. Don't, you're God's free man. It doesn't mean you don't continue being a, a servant and you're like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not following your rules anymore. And you just rebel. No, it's like, no, I'm just not doing it for the guy anymore. That's my master. I'm doing it for God and for his glory, not for people. That's the point there. Not to be a rebel and and refuse to be the servant anymore. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, verse 22 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The whole point is everything that God has given you in your ability to do, whether it's in the church or in the workplace, in your home, you're to do those things for God's glory as if he's the one watching you. He is watching you. He is the one ruling over you. There's a person in between, but... We're to do those things as if we're doing it for God and not for our boss or our manager. Those, those can be miserable people. <laughs> and we can get a bad attitude working for those people. Don't do it like you're doing it for them. You do a good job because of who you are in Christ. <laughs> because you're God's representative. Be God's representative. Do those things to honor God and he'll honor you and reward you later. You may not see that reward in your workplace, but but those rewards do come. So again, what talents has God given you and are you using that for his glory? Let's pray.